This is The Way Podcast. If you want to know more about The Way Podcast, go to podcasttheway.com. How's it going, everyone? Bill here with The Way Podcast. I'm just going to say thank you very much, Don Grant, for that voiceover. For the audience, that's a very generous thing to do, especially with the guy's resume. Definitely check out the Three Interesting Things podcast. Uh, Super nice guy. Show looks great. I'll put a description in the link. The Three Interesting Things podcast. Check that out. Let's get into the show. All right, so today's topic, voice acting, and I'm sitting down with the professional voice actor, Don Grant. Uh, yeah, how are you doing today, Don? I'm good, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And uh, you're over in Toronto, you're just telling me, right? I am indeed in Toronto, yeah, so that's you'll probably notice the, uh, the Canadian accent sneaking in as much as I try to hide it. Sounds good. I had a guest from Montreal. He uh, talked about stoicism. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Was, it, was there a, a Quebecois accent or no? Nothing I could notice too much. Maybe a little hint. It's funny. Whenever I do, I, I have recorded some stuff for American radio and American TV, and frequently it's it's little tiny words that they'll say, hey, you say that like a Canadian. I mean, the, the cliche is that Canadians say their OUs a little bit strangely and, and their R's a little bit harder, but there's there's other little ones that, that sneak in here and there that a lot of people don't really realize, and I don't even realize until a, an American casting director will say, hey, you said that Canadian, like, sounds good. Do you add in like the a at the end? I don't. Well, at least I, I not that I know of. I think if you know, if you and I were sitting down in a Starbucks, you'd probably hear it once or twice. But I think that's more of the the kind of uh, the cliche than it is the reality. Although I certainly know my fair share of people who say it. I just remembered actually, like I was telling you before we started this episode, I went to Toronto, and for the audience, I went to Toronto last summer before this whole COVID epidemic. Yeah, and. I just found it the funniest thing in the world. But me and my friends are walking by on the street. And, well, as you know, in America, it's finally coming around, but weed's illegal in just about most of the country. Right. But in Toronto, you guys have it legalized. That's right, so, yeah. Yeah, so first off, a little bit jealous, but eh. <laughs> <laughs> but we're walking on the street, and um, we see, like, this real hippie-looking guy talking with the cops. He's got blunt in his hand smoking it. And to us, it's just so bizarre. But the reason we started laughing so hard is because we heard the eh at the end of one of his sentences. <laughs> <laughs> so he's being like super polite with these cops, throwing in the eh at the end. It was just the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys down there, I think you have, uh, last time I checked, I think it's like one out of three states now you have uh, weed legalized there, no? Yep. And not only that, one of our states, Oregon just decriminalize all drugs. I saw that as well. It's it's funny because, you know, the last election, there is so much else to talk about that one of the things that kind of got overshadowed was I think so many other states ended up legalizing weed. So I, th I think it's like one in three now, last time I checked. I believe that right um, over in Connecticut, our neighbors, Massachusetts have it legal. Uh, New Jersey, they were one, uh, one of the ones to decriminalize and legalize soon. And Rhode Island, I think, uh, did the same thing. Wow. In the state, a lot of people are talking to our governor, like, because he said he'd legalize it, like, maybe even three years ago. And we're still waiting on that. It's just the yeah. income through taxes and everything alone. 
that's the thing. I mean, I think I think it's just a matter of time. I like I I speak as someone who doesn't really smoke really much myself, but at the same time, the the income through taxes and uh, you know the the farming benefits and everything else is just it's it's pretty clearly you know a a wise thing to do for a culture for the most part. Oh, definitely. I did a podcast episode like ten episodes ago where I actually talked to an inmate, and he was telling me just like that alone would make all the difference for like. Yeah, again, in America, we have a huge crime and what they call jail population. Yeah, yeah. But that's a whole different podcast. That's a whole different episode. <laughs> <laughs> for the audience, uh, check that out, episode 12. So, yeah, actually, professional voice acting. You've uh, brought up accents. How much of an issue is that? Um, it depends. It depends on the gig. It dep- I mean, most of the work that I am going to end up doing is going to be Canadian-based anyway. But for the times that I have done... American auditions and American uh, voiceover work. It, uh, it's, it's not really an issue as much, I think, in the audition process, although maybe it is and I just don't hear about it. It's more of an issue when you actually get the gig and you're recording the spot and the casting director says, hey, don't say out like that. Say it like out. Uh, so, so, uh, that's, that's, I think the only, and it's, it's really, it's minor. I think it's, it's mostly a minor thing. Yeah. Both of those, uh, sounded the same to me, but I'm sure if somebody's <laughs> really focusing, they'll notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that, listen, this, sometimes that can be the case is that the casting director will say, Hey, don't say this, say this. And, uh, and you'll just be sitting there behind the mic going, those were both the same thing. Oh, I bet you have to have like pristine hearing too, to go along with the voice acting. There's a lot of subtlety. There is definitely a lot of subtlety in the craft. And, you know, if if you sort of, uh, it, it, it helps to know what people are looking for on a regular basis and know what they're looking for, even before you walk into the studio. So if you do it enough, and you know what the casting director wants, what the client wants, what the lawyer wants, what everybody wants, and you see that again and again and again, that definitely helps. What kind of uh, voice acting can you do? Do you have like your go-to voice where you just speak over certain commercials or something? Or what kind of variations do you have to perform? Yeah, it's an interesting situation because when you are somebody who uh, makes a living in the profession, it's it's sort of like the... The battle cry of the voice actor is always, oh, I can do more than I get called to do. You know, I can do more, I can get, I can do more than I ever get asked to do. But the way that the business works generally is that you get known for doing a specific brand of voice. So yes, I can do accents. I, you know, I can do a, a fine British accent. I can do a fine Scottish accent. But as my agent said to me the very first time I told her that, she said, yeah, but Don, I have Scottish people on my roster. Why would they, why would I send a false? Scottish guy when I can send a real Scottish guy, which is a good point. Um, but at the end of the day, you end up getting called to do generally the same thing because you you get known as your certain kind of brand. So my particular brand that I've gotten known for over the years that people sort of uh, would call me for is that sort of slightly ironic yet still trustworthy announcer. So it's it's my voice at the end of the spot that's going to say, I'm st- a little bit ironic, but at the same time, you can trust what I have to say. That's kind of the gig that I'm going to get a lot of the time. Um, like at the I, end of uh, commercials, advertising a medical 
like pill or something or yeah well sure sure i mean well the the funny thing is we actually do not have that many ads for um pharmaceuticals in canada near not nearly as much as you do in the states so it's mostly things like you know uh i do a lot of ads for for restaurants and for you know fast food places and uh, you know sort of that this is the way it's going to be you you can trust me at the end of the spot um now that being said, I do a I do a killer you know movie trailer guy, but I the the problem is the movie trailer industry is so closed off. It is so unbelievably closed off um, that you just have to essentially wait for one of those four people to die, and then hopefully maybe get an audition. You know, really four uh, four people running all of the <laughs> it is yeah it's it's crazy it's it's really one of those things where the the movie trailer industry is is so tight it's it's a little bit looser now than it was you know in the in the 70s and 80s and 90s and even into the early aughts it was really basically three people who did it all but uh but it's it's expanded a little bit more now but at the same time yeah it's a very closed shop and of course it's it's an american shop right so it's it's yeah. not like someone like me has any chance of getting in there do you listen to podcasts at all? I know you're on I, one right now, but <laughs> I do. I I listen to podcasts and I have one myself. So, oh, nice. Well, quickly, what's uh, what's your podcast called? Uh, so I do a podcast called Three Interesting Things, and the idea behind that particular podcast is that uh, listeners submit the most interesting things they find on the internet that week, and myself and a new guest host every week talk about those uh, three interesting things. So they can be. Um, you know, they can be uh, historical, they can be current events, they can be pop culture, they can be whatever, uh, as long as it's something that, you know, those things that you find in the internet where you go, wow, this is really cool. I want to tell this to somebody. Uh, we ask people to send those in and then and then we talk about them. Sounds good. And you get to hear it from the voice of a voice actor. <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah. Although who knows, you know, I, I don't do my full voiceover voice all the time. The, the, the nice thing about when you're, when you have your own podcast, when you're a voiceover is that the, the intro and the, and the, you know, the, the closeout, you don't have to worry about hiring somebody to do those because you're doing your own intros. <laughs> And then you do you have your clip that you just throw in each time or yeah 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 for sure and i have my you know because it's three interesting things i have little interstitials that come in between them saying thing one thing two thing three nice yeah definitely definitely like i could not mimic that even if i tried <laughs> wait, wait wait let me thing, thing one like hey that's uh, not bad that's not bad decent okay everybody says <laughs> i have a deep voice so i just rely on that whenever i can well, you know, it's funny when it, the thing the thing about voice acting is it's a little bit similar. I have a, a friend of mine who's a model, a professional model, and she says it's kind of the same thing, which is that um, a, anybody who's pretty thinks that they can be a model. But of course, the skill set is infinitely more complex than that. And it's kind of the same thing when it comes to having a deep voice, which is that the skill set, uh, you know, a deep voice is definitely part of the skill set that you need. And it's just one of those things that if you win the the genetic lottery to have that resonance in your voice, then great. But at the same time, you know, I'm also a trained actor, I have a, a bachelor's degree in, in theater performance. And so, you know, there, there's, there's a bit more to it than just having the the deep, dark voice. I can see that there's a lot of like training behind it that goes into it. Oh, for sure. For sure. A lot of training. And, and honestly, just one of those things where the more you do it, the better you get at it. Right. Like anything. Yeah. It, like with me and podcasting, my first episodes, I look back, my friends were telling me you're going to hate these. I'm like, no, I think, I think I'm good. I'm pretty decent. I, I go back. I just, I can't play it. Oh, it's true. Yeah. No, no, no. That's it. And listen, it's that way with anything that you do, right? It's like, I also I do photography as well. And I look at back at some of my early shots. And I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? My my light was all over. Where, where, where did I put it? this is terrible. So it's it's the same kind of thing, for sure. 
same here i have my own camera like i'm not even an amateur i just do it pure side for fun right but even like as side and for fun they already look like so much better i'm like well now i'm starting to see little tweaks like don't take a picture directly at the sun even something like as small as that yeah 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 yeah, yeah for sure and with the um deep voices i um when i first uh, got into podcasting i checked out well i actually have a studio but then covid shut it down right i had to get my own equipment and like the radio like what i'm using right now is the re20 mm-hmm. and i got it because it's supposed to be great for deep voices but right. i see joe rogan i see all those other podcasters all the youtubers use the sm7b it, yeah the sm7b baby it's it's the one it's the killer so beautifully aesthetic like i wanted it so bad <laughs> but <laughs> i got it and i just listened to it and it just didn't compliment my voice it just didn't work. <laughs> you know what? And it's funny because that it does different. A lot of people don't realize that different microphones will complement or not complement different voices. And so you can have a beautiful mic like the SM7B. And for some people, it's just, it's not going to cut it. There's some people who are just, who will be completely fine with a Blue Yeti or completely fine with something else or with a Roadcaster or something. And, uh, and, and so I, I think sometimes a lot of people put a lot of um stress into whatever mic they're using especially podcasters because the industry is so huge now but at the end of the day whatever makes your voice sound good use that you know it's 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 a little bit like there's an old adage in photography where people say the best camera is the one that you have with you it's a little bit of the same thing oh definitely i could see that actually wait the blue yeti i saw a lot of hate for that do you know why um, I think there's a lot of hate for it. Just I, I, I don't 100% understand why. I think it largely has to do with the fact that something like an SM7B, we're getting we're getting really inside baseball here, but hopefully your listeners give a damn about mics. Um, something like the SM7B, it doesn't pick up a lot of background noise. It doesn't pick up a lot of the sort of the ambient noise that's going to go on behind you. So all you get is that pure voice and vocal sound, whereas the Blue Yeti, because of the fact that it's a condenser mic, is going to pick up some of that stuff. Like you might even be able to hear my cat wandering around the floor right now, that kind of thing. It's not dynamic like the SM7D or RE20. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Like right off the real bat before I even went to the studio, I bought like a $20 microphone. Right. And even that was, if you use a software, you don't always like fluff, make everything sound smooth enough. And even that's manageable. It totally is. And it is funny because, you know, the the way that my podcast, the way that the three interesting things works is that I have a different guest host every week. And I sort of I will admit I'm a little bit finicky about very tacitly and casually asking, hey, what's the quality of your mic setup over there just to make sure that I don't get somebody who's, you know, recording on an old crappy pair of Radio Shack headphones that they got in 1923. And like software. So like when you're voice acting or I need to ask some of your experience in the future after this question, but what kind of softwares uh, does the industry use? That, you know, that's a very good question. It's one that I don't even really know because uh, the entire time that I am in the studio, I am on the other side of the glass. So when you go in for a professional record, you are uh, staying behind the mic in a glass studio, which is completely outside of the main mixing studio and the recording studio. So you see, you know, all the the people on the other side of the glass, and you'll say hello to them, and you'll become friendly with them, especially because you record in the same place a lot of the times. But at the end of the day, you do not really see a lot about the man behind the curtain when it comes to that recording. So there might be wiser people than me who have done a whole bunch of inquiring because they wanted to know what the programs are. I have not because I, I just never have. 
is uh is the studio like in the tv shows or the movies where it's literally a guy with a soundboard you're behind the glass wall just speaking to the mic the studios are all there there are all kinds of different ones but they definitely can be that it's not it's it's not one of those situations where the reality is so drastically different from the things that you see in in tv and and movies which is when you go in to record something uh you will be you know in that studio with the you know the headphones on and the microphone hanging and the head and the sound baffling on the walls and all the rest of it and then on the other side of the glass you will have a number of people the client and the casting director and the lawyer and all these people uh to you know for for a typical record a typical record for let's say a 30 second radio spot will probably take about an hour or two to do to put the entire thing together and uh and it's usually a fairly you know laid back affair for the most part how long will uh how long will it take you to perform your part the whole hour uh, half or just takes you you walk in a few minutes you are, well the, the you're in there you're in the studio for the entire hour and a half because a lot of time you know they'll you'll do take by take sometimes line by line they won't be happy with this they have to tweak this line here the lawyer said oh you can't say we're the best in all of Connecticut you have to say we are the greatest you know whatever yeah. so there's there's all kinds of things that happen here and so then you'll have to go back and sometimes you'll get a client who is really really finicky and has to make sure that you say you know um uh, diet dr pepper well no can you say Diet Dr. Pepper. No, can you say it to Diet Dr. Pepper? Can you be a bit more enthusiastic? Diet Dr. Pepper. Can you bring your voice down? Diet Dr. Pepper. And I mean, it sounds like I'm doing a bit, but I mean, you can literally go on for half an hour with a client who wants to make sure they get it right. And then they have, you know, 50 to pick from, 100 to pick from. And then they say, okay, good. That there, I think we got the one that we wanted. It's definitely got to be a struggle too. Like one guy could be saying, hey, can you be a, tweakier in your voice and you have to be like what, what does that mean well and not only that but frequently the casting director uh and the client have differing ideas of what they want from a specific part of the spot and one, one of the things i do find frequently when i record is that the the voice and the casting director will frequently be on the same page in terms of how something should sound so so that you and the and the casting director are sort of saying i think this should be a bit more low key but then it's the client who's saying oh no push it push it push it or whatever and and you're just going okay well they're the ones paying the bills this is what they want so i'll say diet dr pepper you know and that's what they'll want and you definitely have to like overdo it a bit you need to you can't just say it. you have to like overemphasize. yeah and you have to give them such a wide variety of things to choose from so that uh, at the end of the day the idea is that you want the client to be happy you want the client to be happy because you want to have a good reputation as someone who is going to do your job correctly you want to make sure that you are earning your money properly and you want to make sure that they are going to say hey that don grant guy i want him let's hire him again definitely how um how did they even how did you get to that point where they say hey I want Don Grant? Well, it's just a matter of doing enough of the spots, right? So I try. I was on the outside looking into the industry for a long time. The um, the voice industry kind of works in that ninety ten scenario, which is that ninety percent of the work is done by ten percent of the people, which really sucks when you're not one of the ten percent of the people. But then once you are that ten percent of the people, it's really great. Um, With so guessing that's what we're trying to do. That's exactly that. <laughs> exactly. So it's just a matter of doing enough of the spots, right? So then, I mean, I actually had a casting director say to me one time that uh, he heard a couple people sort of using my name as an adjective, sort of saying, "Hey, we need so we need." 
kind of like a Don Grant voice because well, that's gotta be a nice pat on the back. It, it is a nice pat on the back. And it's funny because like, for example, if you, let's say I've recorded a commercial for a car, let's say I've recorded a commercial for Kia. Uh, if I, I cannot record any other car commercials for a certain period of time, now it varies from place to place. I'm sure it varies from state to state in the States. Let's say for example, six months, you know, I've recorded a Kia spot. It means I cannot record a competing car for six months. So if Toyota all of a sudden comes and they say, hey, we want Don Grant to do our Toyota spot, they will say, uh, that's fine, but Don already has a car. Don's doing a spot for Kia, so you need to find, and then they'll say, oh, can we get can we get a Don Grant kind of a voice? That sort of thing. Okay, I can see that. On a unrelated note, I remember seeing a commercial, Verizon, like they had some spokesperson show up selling Verizon, et cetera, et cetera. And the only reason I remember this and their marketing must have worked because I'm even bringing it up right now <laughs> is that then at some point I see a Sprint commercial where this guy goes, uh, you might remember me as the can you hear me now guy or something. Right, right, right. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> no, I, no, I don't because I'm not thinking about that stuff. <laughs> but it must have been enough time. I think they played a little clip or something, but no, they definitely used that to their advantage. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, 100% they will. And uh, like commercials, what kind of commercials or what kind of work have you done in the past? What's uh, some of your resume? Uh, so it's I use Diet Dr Pepper as one of the as my thing there. That's one of the the bigger spots that I did uh, in the states was a spot years ago for uh, Diet Dr Pepper, which it turns out as it turns out was played during the Super Bowl, which I was oh, very nice. very happy about. I know this I one was, right here at the Super Bowl before. Uh, oh no no this was this was way back in uh, 1903 I believe it was uh, it was <laughs> back back when the earth was cooling but I recorded the spot for Diet Dr Pepper in the states and we, which was always going to be a big thing you know when you're a Canadian voice actor you don't get a lot of American voice work because it's different unions it's different you know so there's all kinds of stuff that has to happen for that to occur so when I recorded the Diet Dr Pepper spot for the states it was already good and then when the Super Bowl was on. You probably don't know this, but they uh, they put Canadian commercials over the American commercials here in Canada. So we actually don't see any of the American commercials. But at one point, my phone rang, and it was my best friend who lives in Los Angeles. And he said to me, Don, your, your spot just played on the commercial down here. And I was like, oh, well my banker is going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, did you get like a bonus or anything for that? Well, the way it works is you get, uh, it's it's kind of complicated, but the easiest way to put it is the more people who see your spot, the more money you will, you will make. So you get paid a recording fee when you record a spot. And then after that recording fee, you get paid, you know, sort of the equivalent of residuals for where it plays to. So if it just plays to Hartford, I'm going to get, you know, my car full of money. And if it plays to all of Connecticut, I'm going to get my house full of money. And if it plays to all of the United States during the Super Bowl, I'm going to get my entire neighborhood full of money. That's the easiest way to look at it. Oh, I bet. I just uh, looked up too in 2018. The cost of a 30-second Super Bowl commercial was $5.2 million. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the biggest spot you can get as a commercial, like for a company. Well, and it's also interesting too now, because of course in 2020, 
the advertising industry has changed so much in the last five years because of streaming that now there's all these advertisers who have all this money burning a hole in their pocket, but they don't quite know what to do with it anymore because they know that people like you and me can get past a commercial quite easily. And if you're just watching, you know, Netflix, if you're just watching Apple TV, or if you're, if you have a PVR sitting at home, it doesn't matter because you're going to be skipping the commercials anyway. Right. And so all of these people are saying, well, damn, we've got all this money. We can't really, we don't want to spend it on TV ads anymore. What do we want to do with it? And that's why you're getting more ads with product placement and that kind of a thing. I can see that you also have to try to catch the audience quick because now there's like a five second skip ad or something. You have to be like, hey, 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 like try to catch my attention. I think, I mean, that's definitely one of the things that the advertisers do now. That's kind of, it's, that's more something that an advertising writer and executive would know a hell of a lot more about than I do. But just on the, on the end of that equation, I can tell you that that generally does happen for sure, which is that in the, in that first five seconds, you, you definitely do try to catch people. Um, it's another, I mean, one of the main places one that, that has, has withstood the change in the industry so much in, lately has been radio, just because if people are listening to the radio, to commercial radio, they're probably in their car or they're probably in a place, like there's no place to skip past radio ads aside from changing the channel, right? So that's why radio ads are still such a, a strong and regular uh, source of income for voice actors. I feel like whenever I hear a commercial on one station, I hear a commercial on every other station. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I feel like they're all timed at once. So even if I go through, I'm just getting more ads. <laughs> yeah, that, that's totally true, actually. You're 100% right. It's yeah. Murphy's Law of, of switching from a radio station. <laughs> exactly. And uh, over the audience, 91.7, nonprofit. So yeah, no uh, no commercials. And there you go. You don't have to change the commercial at all. Exactly. And uh, so you bring it back to the studio you mentioned. How, how do you prepare, basically? <laughs> Well, you will do the audition. Let's say you, I have an audition for, you know, Diet Dr. Pepper and I, I audition and I go home and I think, boy, I really crapped that audition out. What's for dinner? Oh, well, which is exactly what happened for that one, by the way. And then your agent calls you the next day and says, Don, you got the spot. It's recording on Thursday. Um, there's not a lot of recording that you can do because you don't even have the script in advance. You get the script when you go in. Now, more often than not, the script that you have when you go in is exactly the same script that you read in the audition. And so you generally know what it's going to be. And this is, of course, all for commercial acting, right? There's also cartoon acting, which I've done a little bit of, like there's all kinds of different forms. But when it comes to commercial acting, there's not a lot of prep you can do aside from just knowing what the client is and remembering what the read was that you did when you did the audition in the first place. And when you did the audition in the first place, there's a good chance that the casting director said to you, uh, okay, Bill, so for this particular spot, they, they, they want that ironic guy, but make it a little bit warmer than usual. And so when you walk in for the record on Thursday, you have that in the back of your mind as something that you want to do. Okay, I could see that. Well, I find it funny because you said uh, you went home thinking you bombed it and then they called you up for the job. Yeah. Back earlier when I asked you if you listened to podcasts, the reason I asked that was because I was going to bring up this uh, podcast called 20,000 Hertz. Right. Have you, have you heard that one at all? No, no. Oh, highly recommend it. It's the whole podcast is about um, sounds and like they just dive into it. And uh, they actually co-sponsored with uh, Ted. So. Oh, neat. Yeah, they're definitely a good one. They're my favorite. I checked them out. 20,000 20, Hertz. That's the name of the show. Yep. 20,000 Hertz. Okay. <laughs> one of their episodes was actually, I listened to it over the summer, was about voice acting and that kind of field of work. And I forgot why. I wish I could remember. But like, they literally said that same exact thing you said. Like somebody said, oh, I thought I bombed something. But then they had me call back in when somebody was telling their story. 
Well, you know, it's funny because I, I have a background in acting and performance. I have my my bachelor's degrees in theater performance. Uh, so I've been on stage and I've been on television. And I, but of course, I you know, as as most of my professors told me when I was in in university, they said to me that I was going to make most of my money off of my voice. Uh, you guys can't see my face. That's how you know. <laughs> but uh, but. Um, at the end of the day, one of the things that you learn when you do enough auditions, when you audition a lot of the time, is that it is completely useless to predict what goes on on the other side of that casting table. You can go in and you can do the best damn job that you can possibly do, but at the end of the day, there is such a, such a complex calculus going into the decisions that are being made, most of which you do not know, some of which might not be fair, and none of it matters at all. You cannot get a job because you reminded the casting director of her ex-husband, and that's just too damn bad for you. Or you cannot get the job just because your voice I'll, actually here's an interesting story that, that that you might find interesting which is i was i am old enough now that i was doing this job in 2000 and 2001 that's uh, that's that's sort of when i started doing this job and here i was riding on top of the world in 2001 and here i was being the slightly ironic yet still trustworthy announcer and lo and behold september 11th rolls around and here i am sitting at home like everybody else completely aghast and wondering this is crazy never thinking for a minute that this was actually going to impact me in the voice world but of course it did because for the year or so after 9-11 everybody wanted the very gentle reassuring avuncular voice who made you it's feel comfortable phone. yeah that's everybody everybody wanted that and so everybody who had the kind of that slightly sarcastic read that I had, I didn't work for a year. Like after 9-11, I did not work for a year because of just that weird market correction that happened because of events in the world. Did you have to uh, like sort of rebrand yourself and really practice a new voice? I mean, you try, but as I said at the top, it's, it's the same kind of idea, which is that I can do a bunch of voices, you know, ask me to do any voices now and I'll, I'll be happy to do them. But it's, it's what you're known for in the business, right? So yes, I can, I can do that warm, comfortable voice to make you feel like everything is fine, but that's not what I was known for, right? And so I was telling people, yeah, call me in. I can do that voice. I know that's the big thing going on right now because everyone wants to feel good and comfortable and safe and warm but there were other people who were known for that and they were the ones who worked that year well i could see that even like in every uh, field every job you can yes, apply sir. for a job and uh just be completely surprised whether you get it or not and i yeah. say that because one of my uh one of my uh, friends when he would accept applications he would take half the applications throw them in the trash because he doesn't want unlucky people <laughs> <laughs> well and you know what that's the thing that's what i mean is like what what i said just sort of at the at the top of the segment that that you never know the calculus that goes into it you really don't you have no idea what goes into it you just have to sort of accept that like if if you are an actor one of the best things that you can do for your uh, life as an actor for your sanity as an actor is you can say to yourself okay i'm going to go in I'm going to do my audition. 
I'm going to do the best that I can do. And I'm going to walk out and I'm going to say, what's for lunch? Because now I have done everything within my power to do. And there's a lot of people who can't do that. There's a lot of people who sort of leave saying, could I have done this? Should I have done this? Did I remind the director of her ex-wife or whatever? Yeah, that's out of your control. You know what I mean? You, you, it doesn't matter. It, like all of that stuff, it might not be fair, but no one promised you it was going to be fair. And it's out of your control. So all you can do is say, I did my best let's go have dinner. And then you're going to get jobs that you didn't think you were going to get like Diet Dr. Pepper. You're not going to get jobs that you thought you were going to get like the Oprah Network, but it doesn't matter. You literally sound exactly like the uh, guest from Montreal I was telling you about when he talked about stoicism. <laughs> oh, well, it's, of... Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's like, that's, that's kind of what, what yeah. you have to do to, to maintain your sanity, right? He said the same thing, like you go in for a job. And then the second you're done, it's out of your control. You shoot a bow and arrow, uh, born arrow the second you release that arrow is out of your control it's just stuff like that only worry about what you can or what's in your full control hmm, maybe you know what maybe canadians are extra stoic and we just don't get credit for it who knows you all could be could be like a hive mind <laughs> yeah. and how about um wait what's my question stoicism montreal um psychologically they say um if you can't remember something to completely just stop trying to remember it because what your brain does, it tries to remember that thing you're trying to remember. So it blocks out things like that thing you're trying to remember. <laughs> but the problem is it blocks out that same thing you're trying to remember in the process. Right. So that's why when you can't remember something, you got to just move on to something new and it will just pop back up to you. Okay, let's so we're going to see if we can prove that theory right now. Yeah, just now I thought that would work. It, would, it uh, didn't work. <laughs> 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 All right, maybe it will come back to me later. But like you said, you listen to podcasts. Do you know who a Duncan Trussell is? No. You really don't? He um actually if you get a chance, the reason I found him is on Netflix, the uh, Midnight Gospel. It's a great TV show mm -hmm. where they take his podcast and then they like animate over it. But the thing about him is uh no disrespect to him, but his voice is very I guess I I'm gonna say weird. Like it's a very like high pitched sort of a voice I've just never heard before that I didn't like it at first, but the more you listen to it, it kind of grows on you. Yeah. So in like, I'm, oh, go ahead. I, no, I was going to say, I feel the same way, but one of my favorite podcasts is The Flophouse. Do you know The Flophouse? Uh, no, I don't. It's uh, Elliot Kalin, who used to be the head writer with The Daily Show, and uh, Dan McCoy, who still is a writer with The Daily Show, and then one of their friends, Stuart Wellington, and the three of them watch a bad movie and they talk about it. So it's one of those bad movie um podcasts of which there are quite a few but it's definitely one of the top ones but Elliot who is absolutely brilliant and funny and hysterical I remember the very first time I heard the podcast he has a very and he admits them himself he has a very whiny nasally voice and the first episode I listened to I was like I cannot listen to this guy for much longer but of course now that I've been listening to the show for years it's like I, it, I don't even notice it and I just want to hear what he has to say I can see that and yeah with um it sort of becomes their own like niche their own makes them stand out yeah yeah and it, yeah, it can be it can become a brand for sure i mean look that's what gilbert godfrey did right i mean that's his brand that, that thing that he does yeah if you're becoming a professional voice actor and your voice is really unique yeah can you use that is that looked for in the industry it definitely is it's a we it's weird because of the fact that it still is in some ways a sexist industry in the sense that um 
it's almost in some ways it's a little bit of reverse sexism which is that if you are a, a guy who happens to have that sort of that deep baritone voice that can make those sounds then you're going to have a, a better chance of getting the jobs for sure and, and the women who are in it if you happen to have that quirky sort of sexy voice but not too slutty that's kind of what they go for with when it comes to that but in the last 10 years i will say that there has definitely been a lot more room made for people with more unique voices people with more distinct and not that stereotypical announcery voice there there's definitely room for those people in the profession now which is great yeah, definitely speaking of names you know who um mel blanket blank yeah come on dude <laughs> yeah again twenty thousand hertz that's where i found him but yeah he's supposed to be like a legend in your industry yeah total total legend he did virtually i think there there's I can't remember how many voices in the Looney Tunes he did not do, but it's like three. Like he did, he did, he did all of them. He did Bugs, he did Daffy, he did Yosemite Sam, he did Foghorn Leghorn, he did the Roadrunner, he did all of them. He's just the guy was unbelievable. He was a machine. He was a legend. I wonder how he even like was able to do that. Like when you're getting into it and you're practicing, are there like different techniques? Like oh, if you do this, you'll be able to find a new voice. Yeah, you experiment a little bit. A fun fact about Mel Blanc that uh, that I always love is the fact that his, um, you know, that sort of that Roadrunner sound, that beep beep, that Roadrunner sound. Yeah, he uh, he recorded that from a hospital bed. He had broken his leg or his foot. I can't remember which one it was, and he was laid up in the hospital, and they just needed that sound because they were starting to animate the very first Roadrunner cartoon, and he did that, and that they used the same one over and over and over again. So every single Roadrunner beep beep that you hear is the same Roadrunner beep beep, and it was Mel lying in a hospital bed with a broken lower limb recording that. Well, I know um, Kanye West, like they did something similar when he was in a car crash. He tried rapping from uh, there, like from <laughs> in like a whole headset and whatnot. <laughs> Never listened to him, but I, got, I should look up that song just to hear how it came out. <laughs> <laughs> but for um, Mel, one of the, uh, well, another interesting fact I found crazy is like, again, he voiced these characters so much. Like you said, he had like a bunch of different voices that he would have to voice over, et cetera. And he actually got in a car crash. And I don't know if it's the same. I don't think it was the same one. Maybe. I think it might have been. Two. But this one put him in a coma. Like he was comatose for a while. But a side note, when people think people are in a coma, the person's not, most of the time, they're not actually like pure out of it, like sleeping. Most of the time, they're in sort of a half state where like an eye will be open but they're just not responsive in a vegetative state. Yeah. And that's what uh, happened to Mel in this case. He was comatose, but his eyes were open. And one of the days a doctor came in and one of his, uh, Mel's characters, I think it was Bugs Bunny, was on the TV. And I forgot if the doctor said something at first or if he just heard the TV, but he actually said like a, like a what's up doc or something like in his voice. Yeah, it was it was actually the doctor. It was the the, do it doctor, was the doctor was having yeah, it was the doctor was having a hard time sort of getting through them. So it was a it was a neurologist who sort of was trying different approaches to sort of get him to talk again. And he he decided to ask uh, instead of asking Mel Blank, he decided to ask his characters. And he said to him, "How are you feeling today, Bugs Bunny?" And then Blank sort of replied, uh, ah, "Just fine, Doc. How are you?" And then he asked if Tweety was in there too, and he said, "I taught, I taught, putty tat." And then that's how he kind of got him out of there. Exactly. I find that crazy. Yeah, like it just slowly brought him back, these characters. Yeah. They literally became a part of him. Yeah. If you're in a coma, uh, does somebody need to come up to you and ask uh, 
Hey, Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, just just bury me at that point. If that's what it takes to get me out of the coma, just pour a Diet Dr. Pepper over my grave. Exactly. <laughs> if that works, I don't know. If, I mean, you, you would be happy, but like, oh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> All right. All right, moving on. So, so somebody wants again to voice acting. They, uh, how do they get their foot in the door? I hear you have to make like a demo or something similar to that. Yeah, if you want to get into voice acting, there's, I mean, and I get asked this question a lot because, you know, when you when you do it, people are like, hey, people always tell me I have a nice voice. What should I do? I I, I must bet. do that. I, I hear that like once a week. Honestly, and a sidetrack, while I was like looking up uh, info for the show, one of the mm-hmm. top Reddit posts was uh, top three questions voice actors hate being asked. <laughs> and what, actually what are they i'd love to know what they were what were they they were um, that, that's one of them i'm sure yeah it was it was uh don't ask them what equipment to use right it was uh don't <laughs> ask them uh how to become good because it's like uh there's lots of research lots of google and stuff like that yeah and i forgot what the third was what what do you think the third would be <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I would think there would be. Hey, I have a people tell me I have a nice voice. That's how, what I how think it I, was. Yeah, how can I get into voice acting? I it mean, was, uh, uh, oh yeah, you could have a good voice, but apparently, like somebody with the worst voice could still become better with like practice, etc. Yeah, it's totally true. That's a, that's a hundred percent true. I mean, at the end of the day, you do have to know. It's it's sort of like you know I compare it to modeling a lot because it's the same thing, which is that you know when when it comes to modeling, you know you do have to have a certain base look in order for people to consider you as a model in the first place. But as we discovered over the last, you know, 50 years, what constitutes a model can vary from year to year, culture to culture, etc. And it's a little bit the same with voice acting, which is that, sure, if you have that kind of, if you were lucky to have that voice that I happen to have been born with, a lot of people will consider you as somebody who should do this. But at the same time, you know, as we just talked about, there's loads of room for all kinds of other people. And it also comes down to skill set. If you have the skill set to be able to deliver to the client what they need and what they want and what they're asking for, then great. You know, if you can, you can have the the most beautiful deep baritone voice in the world but if you can't actually deliver what the client is looking for if you are not fast on your feet or if you don't understand what they actually want and need you're not going to be getting that many jobs because the people who are going to be getting the jobs are the people who understand what the casting director is asking for who have a sense of what the client is looking for who have a general sense of the industry and what the the voices are in the industry that kind of thing so there's a lot that goes into it so if you want to get into it it's just a matter of paying attention to the industry you definitely need a demo you got to make yourself a demo one of the best ways you can do it is listen to a bunch of other demos find other people's demos online listen to how they're put together listen to how they're edited most of them are no longer than about 90 seconds long some people have come up with demos of you know 10 minutes long and it's like dude they've tuned out um what is a demo? just you acting out a role like a bunch of roles and a bunch of roles it's it's you putting together some of your best voices so you know if i like my demo my very first demo had my movie trailer voice on it it had my ironic guy on it it had my straight up announce on it it had my news voice on it It had like all of them you know just like about a 10 to 15 second clip of each one bam 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 and then you get that demo together and you start sending it out to agents and casting directors and various other people 
and you, you know, beat your face against a brick wall for 15 years until finally someone decides to call you in. Quite literally, I mean, that's what it was for me. I, it, it took me 15 years to get signed really? by, oh yeah, oh yeah, it took me forever. It took me forever and ever and ever. I had pretty much given up, to be honest with you, before I got signed on. And then lo and behold, I, someone decided to take a chance on an unknown and, and the rest was history. 15 years of applying and like trying and trying to then being in a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, right? I mean, you, it's, it's going back to the stoicism thing for a second. It's funny. I was just uh, the episode of my, of three interesting things. It's coming out tomorrow because we are recording this just before Christmas. I don't know when this is going to air, but we're recording just before Christmas uh, to, to honor Christmas. My episode tomorrow is three interesting things about Die Hard, which is of course the greatest Christmas movie of all time. And one of the things we talk about in that is the fact that Alan Rickman who played Hans Gruber, that, that was his very first film role, and he was 41 years old when he got that. Now, he went on to become, you know, one of the most beloved actors uh, in uh, in the 90s and aughts before he passed away a couple of years ago. But he was 41 years old before he got his very first movie role. And now that very first movie role happened to turn out to be one of the top three or four villains in cinematic history. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Plus, uh, another example, uh, you ever see Breaking Bad? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jesse. Apparently, I don't know if that's his first role, but I heard he actually has like pretty much no training. Like, yeah, it just... he, had, he was. I think, I, if memory serves, he had. Yeah, it was his first role. He didn't really have any training. I know he was on The Price Is Right. You can look up if really? anyone wants wow. to look this up. Yeah, he was. You can you can type in Aaron Paul Price Is Right, and you can see him in his that's earlier weird. younger years. I just looked him up. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Wow. That's insane. So yeah, it goes from well, I mean, so I guess he has a successful background. <laughs> not I mean, an actor, sure. though. <laughs> not yeah, not an acting. Yeah, who knows, right? Unless so, he was an actor in that. What if the whole show's fake? You never know. That's. I mean, that's, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is you. You honestly can never know. Like the the people who are going to make it are going to make it for a variety of reasons. And and anyone who tells you you will make it if you work hard, it's not true. Working hard is definitely a factor for sure, and you got to work your ass off to do it. But at the end of the day, there are other things that can do it. Or people who will tell you, you know, if you're lazy and don't do anything, you'll never make it. That's not true. There's some people who just happen to luck in or know the right people. So you can't sort of think that there are absolutes in any of these businesses, especially when it comes to acting and voice acting. You just got to do your damn best to come up with whatever you can do. And hopefully someone will give you the chance to sit in front of a mic and make money out of it. You got to actually have like substance beyond it. You actually have to like maybe know the topic. You can't just. Yeah, not, for sure. It's having a combo. And then I see the opposite where people, they have good shows. I'll like check it out. I'll tune in. But there's nothing behind it except like not even social media or anything. It's like, well, you got to get your foot in the door. You have to make people want to even like look at you, you know? Right. That's I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in the midst of that with with my show right now. Right. I just launched about two months ago. And so it's a matter of, you know, I feel pretty comfortable with the content right now. I feel pretty comfortable with the sound quality. I think I feel like I'm putting out a pretty good show that I feel people will generally like. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. You got to do the grind. You got to get on Twitter. You got to get on Instagram. You got to shout it out on your social media feeds. You got to be have other people on the show. You got to be coming on shows like your show and saying, hey, guys, listen to three interesting things. I guess the only difference is that I, I'm, I'm not really one of those kind of listen for listen guys. It's sort of like my, my attitude has always been when it comes to my own podcast is like, um, yeah, my attitude has always been one of, uh, hey, listen to the show. 
If you like it, great, subscribe and keep listening. And if you don't like it, guess what? There are a million other podcasts out there that will probably suit your needs. And I hope you have a good time finding one because mine might not be for you, but I hope it'll be for people. That's the approach you need. And yeah. I was going to say too, you have experience 15 years waiting, but there's also the factor of time. Sometimes you just got to give it time. You do. You totally have to give it time and, you know, hopefully, you know, and, you know, and not be a slave to the numbers, right? I mean, like, yeah, I look and see how many people are listening to my show. And yeah, it's going up and that's great. And that's fine. But at the same time, I'm not going to lose any sleep about the fact that one episode maybe does a little bit worse or a little bit better or whatever, right? It's just, hey, I feel good about the episode. Done. What's for dinner? Stoicism. <laughs> stoicism, baby. Canadian stoicism all the way. Exactly. And um, all right, so bring it back, though, like, what kind of like how much practice did you put in i mean like 15 years building up to your first audition or your first uh work so what kind of like practice did you have to do how much would you practice what kind of techniques would you use so the techniques mostly the the funny thing is a lot of people forget the fact that when it comes to voice acting they forget the acting part of voice acting they think it's all about having the voice right they forget the fact that you do actually have to do acting even when it's commercial work i know it sounds stupid because you're trying to get somebody to go into the olive garden for the special this week but at the same time you have to be bringing a realism and you have to be bringing a personality to it and you have to be bringing whatever the people are asking you to do so the preparation comes from you know like in the meantime when i wasn't doing voice work i was still doing you know plays i was still doing theater i was still doing occasional little tv roles here and there and all that stuff is cumulative you know you, you all those skills that you learn they transfer from one to the next which is listening understanding being a character translating it all into knowing what the person wants that's at the end of the day those are the skills that are going to take you farther than anything else is just listening understanding being amenable to what you're being asked to do and and taking all those skills and and sort of synthesizing them all together that's one of the weird things too uh you have to do like what's good for what the audience wants but like if you play basketball and you have an opponent you just have to be better and score the point if you score the point you win yeah. But for like your voice acting, you can uh, do all these different voices, nail it, but like you don't win just because you nail it. No, exactly. I, I can I can be the Kawhi of voice acting. It doesn't really matter because, you know, like I can have the greatest voice in the world, but all of a sudden 9-11 happens and my voice is not in anymore. Right. And voice acting goes through trends like anything else. Right. There are there are definite trends of now this year is going to be, you know, th like this year in particular because of the pandemic. It's been we've gone back a lot more to that kind of comforting voice again. So you do find a lot of people working with that with that voice to make sure it's been a different kind of year year but this year we've had your back at blankety blankety bank you know that's that's been the kind of read that's been happening this year so you're right it doesn't matter necessarily if you are the kawaii of voice acting because all of a sudden your read will not be the read that is in vogue at the time also kawaii when i was in toronto i saw a playoff game uh kawaii when he was with the raptors yeah baby bucks yeah that was a great game and i was happy they won but then in the championship, they beat my team. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry about that, man. And you know what? It's hard not to like Golden State. They're they're a great team, and you know, Steph. How can you not like Steph? He's, oh, he's great. got a great backstory. He's like a friendly guy. He builds well. Him and LeBron, they each do their own like amazing charity work and whatnot. And hey, fun fact: Steph's dad used to play for the Raptors. Really? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Tell Curry used to be a Raptor. 
they might have to become my second favorite again. <laughs> hey, the, you know what? The Raptors are also a very easy team to cheer for because uh, I'm I'm a big basketball guy, and uh, the Raptors are a, a a bunch of very very fine individuals, which you don't necessarily always get. It's not guaranteed when it comes to professional athletes. But the the guy who runs the team, Masai Ujiri, and the coach Nick Nurse, and everybody else, they're all they all are pretty. They're they're it's it's a group of menches. They're a bunch of stand up guys, and so it makes them very easy to cheer for. I believe it. Plus, there's uh, the whole Canadians are known as being nice. So yeah. you see a fan base that's nice. It's like, well, you kind of want to join that fan base. Of course, there's only one Canadian on the roster, but you know, it doesn't really matter. We we've adopted your Americans, <laughs> and so you know, our our, our well, the favorite Canadian now is Kyle Lowry, who's from North Philly. So who cares? I wish he was from Canada. Although he he uh, he's this is kind of his adopted home. His kids go to school here, and uh, he 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 loves Toronto. So definitely, I could see that. So, well, actually, when I was trying to remember what I was trying to remember earlier, like I kept trying to think of my next question because I had a perfect question to follow up. Yes. Did you remember it? I did. Hey, it worked. (laughs) Exactly. You just got to focus on something else. It comes back to you. (laughs) Basketball, Kyle Lowry, it brought it back. Exactly. I don't know how. but (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, my question was, when you're in the studio, everybody gets nerves. Like you get nervous about playing basketball you get nervous about podcasting you get nervous about going for your job and applying stoicism but so my question was when you're nervous like somebody's getting into your field and even you probably yourself when you start out when people are nervous it's hard to like maintain a same level of voice it's hard to maybe you'll stutter in your speech like some something like that yeah yeah you'll get nervous so how do you sort of maintain your composure when you're in the studio the nice thing about it is that when you are in the studio, you are allowed to screw up, right? So, yeah, like, I, I will say, like, in, in all the forms of acting that I have done over the years, I will say that voice acting is probably the most stress-free. And I'm not going to say it's it's stress-free. That's It's silly to say that because there are definitely stresses that come with it, and there's definitely stuff that happens. But at the end of the day, the one thing that you have in your corner is the fact that you can screw up this take. You know, if I don't say Dr. Pepper, you know, it's better than the original. If I, if I don't say it right this time, I'll say it right the next time. If I don't say it right the next time, I'll say it right the next time. No one's going to hear it until it's been through 37 people who have edited it, tweaked it, processed it, cut it, cleaned it, and put it out for, for public listening. So I, I can screw up as much as I want. If I'm in a play, if I'm in a production of, you know, Little Shop of Horrors, and I'm out there, and I screw up something, that's it. You know, that's it. That's why I will get much more nervous when it comes to something like live theater than I will with uh, voice acting because with voice acting I can screw up as much as I want and so if my voice is wavering or quavering or if I all of a sudden do one of these it doesn't matter you know everyone's just gonna laugh in the studio and I'll do it again you know sounds good and yeah you say on um, like the editing I feel like the uh, Adobe Audition or whatever softwares they use I feel like that's the Photoshop of the modeling world. It totally is. It 100%. It's, it's the Photoshop of the voice world. And and the thing is, a lot of people don't realize how much editing goes in. Even this show, like the, the people who are listening to this show right now will probably not realize how much editing Bill has done to make this show actually work. Now, true. <laughs> if it, now, if people don't realize how much editing has gone into this show. All you have to know is that Bill and I have now been talking for an hour and five minutes. So if you think about that, look down at the counter for this podcast and see how many minutes are through this show. And you can see how much Bill edited out. So you can see how much work goes into making something like this work. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah. About an hour in, I think that's about a good point to wrap it up, I'd say. 
Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to know? I guess what's the final message you'd give for the audience? Well, uh, well, it depends. What in terms of voice acting? In terms of make it more specific, and I'll give the best that I can. Like, if there's one most important thing you tell the audience about professional voice acting, what would it be? It would be that professional voice acting is just like any craft that anyone does, which is that if you have an affinity for it, do it, practice it, get better at it, and someone might give you the chance to make money at it. And, you know, that that's the way it works with anything. That's the way it works with woodworking, with electrical engineering, with journalism, with voice acting, with modeling, with photography, with podcasting, with computer programming. If it's something that you like, and it's something that you have an affinity for, work your butt off, get better at it, figure out how to do it, figure out the ins and outs of the industry. And when you've done all that, there is a greater chance that you will be successful at it. It's not guaranteed because nothing is guaranteed. But there's definitely you're giving yourself a better chance to be successful at something that you love. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Don Grant for coming out to the show. Hey, my pleasure. If anyone wants to hear more, just tune into three interesting things and see if you like it. And as I said, hey, if you don't like it, find another show. There's a lot of podcasts out there. Sounds good. I'll put a link for that in the description. That's awesome. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. Now, this is The Way Podcast on FM 91.7, WHUS stores at the top of the hour. For more, go to podcasttheway.com. And actually, Don, can you do a little ad saying, listen to The the Way Podcast and go to podcasttheway.com? Yeah, I was was just thinking as you were doing that, I was like, hey, man, I should be doing that. Okay, so what what am I saying? Uh, Basically, just however you want to say it, tell people to listen to The Way Podcast and go to podcasttheway.com. This has been the waypodcast.com. No, sorry, hold on. <laughs> see, oh, that, see there it is. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the way podcast. If you want to know more about the way podcast, go to what's the website again? Oh, yeah, podcasttheway.com. Go to podcasttheway.com. See, now what you're going to do is you're going to edit all the my tweaks out of there, and then it'll just sound really beautiful, and then no one will know that I screwed it up in the middle. I can combine, yeah, just crop out <laughs> that middle. Yeah, I can literally see the I've done it so much. I can literally see the frequencies and you can see the waveform. Exactly. You see the little tricks you need to make it sound (laughs) even smoother. (laughs) This is the way podcast. And as always, deuces. This has been The Way Podcast. If you want to know more about The Way Podcast, go to podcasttheway.com.